electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. I'm CNBC producer Zach Valisi. Today on Squawk Pod. The tweets that captured Wall Street. Surprise, they're from Elon Musk. Elon is looking for more free speech on Twitter, but that doesn't necessarily mean advertisers are going to want to pay the way for that. The latest fallout from FTX's collapse. Another bankruptcy. One short seller says he saw it coming. Muddy Waters, Carson Block. This is a whole edifice that's built on a lot of leverage, and there are probably just so many cockroaches hidden within the walls. And rumors of a messaging shift in China following these stunning protests. CNBC's Eunice Yoon. The leadership might be uh, drafting a narrative to try to redirect the propaganda, eventually to lead to an exit to zero COVID. Plus, YouTuber Mark Rover has 3 billion views and counting for his videos, foiling porch pirates and educating kids. I try and hide the vegetables with, you know, getting the science and the engineering message out there. And exclusive to Squawk Pod, the influencer takes questions from a very important guest interviewer, Becky Quick's son, Kyle. I wasn't letting this one slip by the dinner table. All that and more. It's Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. All right, let's get to China, where security has stepped up and anti-COVID lockdown protests have disappeared following an unprecedented weekend of anger. Eunice Yoon joins us right now. She's got the latest from Beijing. Hi, Eunice. Hi, Becky. Well, as you said, uh, China has uh, stepped up its security in many different cities, including here in Beijing. Uh, They've also uh, started searching for protesters who had been um, demonstrating against the COVID restrictions. Um, In addition to that, uh, more and more students are starting to um, indicate that they are receiving notices to uh, leave the cities um, ostensibly because of COVID prevention measures. However, many university students were the ones who were taking part in the protests. Now, the hope had been that these protests could trigger some sort of lifting uh, or easing of some of the restrictions. Uh, there uh, had been um, health authorities held a press conference today, and it was a big um, um, subject of of conversation. Uh, But at the end of the day, um, the authorities reiterated that they're sticking by the zero COVID approach. However, they didn't directly, while they didn't directly address the uh, protests, they did address complaints saying that the issue was the implementation um, of the the COVID measures and that they were too excessive at the local level as opposed to the COVID curbs themselves. Now, investors were heartened by what they were hearing um, to, to some extent, uh, and, and also because of some unverified chatter that seemed to indicate that the leadership might be uh, drafting a narrative 
to try to redirect the propaganda, eventually to lead to an exit to zero COVID. So again, this is unverified discussion, but it goes that President Xi has asked the propaganda chief to draft this plan, and that um, the idea would be to say that BF8, this new variant, um, which would be whatever comes after BF7, which is currently um, circulating in Beijing, um, is similar to the flu, and so that for China, it's time to exit, And then at that point, the Communist Party could be able to declare that it has saved six million lives and that this is a great achievement for the party. Now, again, this is all unverified, but it does uh, speak to what would be necessary for China to exit this plan. Up until now, the uh, messaging to the public has been to struggle, that Chinese people can defeat the virus. But now they would have to redirect that messaging to the people to say um, that they have been able to accomplish this goal. Guys? Eunice, thank you. And thank you for your continuing excellent coverage. Eunice Yoon. Elon Musk taking on Apple yesterday, lashing out at the tech giant regarding several matters involving Twitter. This was a little bit of a Twitter temper tantrum. Musk tweeting a series of claims against Tim Cook and company, calling out the iPhone maker for pulling back on advertising on the social platform. Apple has been one of the largest advertisers there. Also complaining about the 15 to 30 percent fee that is placed on app developer developers. Musk also said that Apple had threatened to remove Twitter from its app store as part of its review moderation process. He likened this move to a suppression of free speech. Again, check what's happening with China here. Apple has declined to comment about Musk's tweets, but I, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. There were some pretty funny memes that were going back. Elon is probably the best Twitter troll you've ever seen, but there were some people who were responding and like. Um, call up this one. I think we have a full screen of a Tim Cook parody that came back. You know, Elon saying Apple's mostly stopped advertising on Twitter. Do they hate free speech in America? What's going on with Tim Cook? And Tim Cook, the parody account, responding, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay 30 <laughs> percent. Taking, taking what Elon has been trolling people with. Right. Thanks for your feedback. Now pay $8. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have uh, a lot more. And people have some interesting, as with everything, like conspiracy theories about what Elon's really up to, what, what, what Apple's really up to. Um, in the I don't know. I don't know that it's more at. complicated than, yeah, okay. Elon is looking for more free speech on Twitter, but that doesn't necessarily mean advertisers are going to want to pay the way for that. You know, it could well, be Elon you don't who's paying the bill for some of those things. If it was really the Wild West. Do you want your you, brand in the midst of it? You don't want your brand next to right. that. But it, there are people that say that, that maybe Elon, there's a method to his madness, that he, he wants the super app someday, and that the Android Apple lock on, on everything is something okay. that the chain right. needs to be broken. He's fed eventually. into that himself. Elon Musk right. fed into that with some tweets over the last several days, um, kind of so saying, yeah, I'll take that on next. Maybe that's uh, what it is. I, I, then I you think would think it, the, maybe, the need, maybe the immediate is he doesn't want to see one of the biggest advertisers pull back, and he definitely does not want to see it not able to be in the app store. You could still use it on your iPhone, but you wouldn't get the updates, and over time that, that, that erosion would be a big deal. Losing $6 million a day from, from the advertisers, but I don't know. Elon's making how much a day? A lot more than $6 million probably. Oh, sure. It's just when, look, even no rich, people, even rich yeah. people, when you see your net worth go down, it does feel like there's... Ooh. Wait a second. Now, Not what, if, There's what if nobody who doesn't feel they were as wealthy? Does he benefit from a, an eventual Twitter bankruptcy? I don't see how. Elon? Well, he wouldn't know any. He wouldn't know any of that stuff. It's all good. 
definitely end up probably in a better fi <coughs> financial position overall. You think? I think so. I hadn't thought that through. You're not going to see that with Sam Bankman-Fried, but... No. <laughs> but in this case, I don't know, we need someone at uh, bankruptcy experts. Next on Squawk Pod, more on the two biggest stories shaking the markets this week with short seller and hedge funder Carson Block. This isn't really just about COVID. This is about she seeing the population as a threat. We'll be right back. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by Joe, his mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick. Andrew uh, is off. The uh, latest domino to fall in the crypto uh, collapse, digital currency lender BlockFi. That company's filed for bankruptcy in the latest uh, chapter of the FTX fallout. Join us now with more on that. Plus, uh, portfolio risk in China is Carson Block, founder and CIO uh, of Muddy Waters. Are we done, Carson? What, what's your work tell you? Well, to be clear, I have not been immersed in the crypto space. The, the first thing that ever interested me in crypto was back in June when FTX, there's this article about FTX considering buying Robinhood. And this was after it had taken a 20% stake in Robinhood just a few months afterward. That said to me at the time that they were trying to talk the price of Robinhood up. You don't leak that you might buy a company and make the stock more expensive ahead of actually making a bid. So that was clearly a crack in the facade of FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, who, when I thought about it, really seems too good to be true, to go from zero to attempted household name overnight. So it's been, it was pretty evident to me starting in June when this is the first thing that really interested me in crypto, that this is a whole edifice that's built on a lot of leverage. And there are probably just so many cockroaches hidden within the walls. So the fact that you see these systemic failures within crypto is not surprising to me given how much leverage existed between these firms. But I also think it's important to point out, this is not systemic to the US or global economy. This stuff is systemic just within crypto. And you know, I, I really, the, the thing that chafes is when I start hearing calls to regulate crypto, I just don't think that that's necessary at this point. What about 
just making it easier to to operate in the United States rather than than operating in in offshore somewhere where these things happen. I mean, is there a way to do that without it with a light touch? Well, there isn't a ton of regulatory framework even in the U.S. Now, what you have here when a company like FTX takes customer deposits, that's fraud. You don't need new rules and regulations around that. That's contractual fraud and it's very likely criminal fraud that can be prosecuted. But it is a sign that when you see uh, an industry looking to avoid as much as possible the legal jurisdiction, developed legal jurisdictions, yeah, that's a sign that these guys aren't really on the up and up. But for everybody, for a lot of people who've been fans of crypto, you know, they've talked about DeFi and, you know, get governments out of the picture. Well, congratulations, you know, you're getting governments out of the picture. So, you know, let's not let's not get governments into the picture and regulate in order to make these things less risky. I mean, it's, you know, they, there weren't houses that people were living in here. These these funds that go into crypto coins are not being channeled into productive parts of the economy. Companies that are, you know, employing, that are building things and providing services that are really of value. This is a closed, relatively closed ecosystem. So it should have been a warning to people that it, so much of it existed offshore. Um, and again, there are contractual and criminal fraud claims here that uh, I'm sure exist or will soon exist, but I don't think the U.S. really needs to try to make itself a haven for this type of activity, nor do we need to crack down on it. The, the, the risks, just switching gears to something else, just because you're, you're, you know, you've got a lot of irons in the fire. Are you, are you seeing things, opportunities in China uh, or, or as a professional skeptic there? What, what, what kind of opportunities are you seeing? Well, I, I think the thing is with China, um, we have to understand that we're in a we're in a completely new regime. So previously, the Chinese government for several decades had an interest in being in in telegraphing what its policy directions were, and its policies were largely geared toward uh, economic growth and involving foreign capital and generally treating foreign capital, you know, like somewhat well. That's not the goal anymore. And the goal, what you really have to understand about China is that policy, these important macro policy is formulated by one person, and that, that's Xi Jinping. And he is, for lack of a better word, a dictator. The arc of dictatorships is that ultimately dictators usually end up perceiving lots of threats to them. And these are not threats to just being deposed. When somebody like Xi Jinping, who's made countless enemies by locking people and their family members up over the years and even having some executed. When somebody like that goes, it's not a peaceful transition. That person is often executed along with family members. So they often develop paranoia. I mean, there are legitimate threats they perceive, but everything becomes a threat. So the goal of policy then becomes ameliorating their perception of threats. And so when you look at zero COVID in China, this isn't really just about COVID. This is about Xi seeing the population as a threat. And the reason for that, and this goes really towards the markets question, for decades, China has built the biggest asset and credit bubble that has existed in the history of humanity. 
And so on top of that powder keg now sits one person who has lots of enemies and they have been, and what he's been doing has clearly been to, you know, not, not prolong this and not kick the can down the road. And he's been popping these realists, the, the asset bubble, which is also creating credit problems. So you have a lot of economic instability and that is why you have these draconian population level measures. It's really to protect this guy. Now, every day you'll, you know, Goldman Sachs will say X about China COVID policy or JP Morgan. And the problem is nobody, it, we're, we're viewing this through the prior lens of a government that was open to foreign investment, that was focused on economic growth and raising its citizens' uh, standards of living. Those days are gone. We have to view this through the lens of one paranoid person who is doing everything he can to avoid being taken out. And when you do that, it starts to make a lot more sense. Now, does China become investable? I mean, look, there's a price for everything. But you have to understand that nobody has an edge as to predicting China policy anymore. Okay, the, the guy you know who's got lots of guanxi or relationships in China, no, that doesn't matter anymore. So you have to price in to what you're willing to pay the understanding that you wake up one morning and look, it's down 90% because that's what China is now. It is impossible to predict on a macro level. Carson, are, are you, uh, did you ever get involved in, in the meme stocks? On the short side, are, are you, when you go out, do you, I mean, do you wear a disguise or something? Are, do you have a Twitter? You don't have a Twitter account, do you? Oh, yeah, I do. We're, I'm, I'm at Muddy Waters Re. And so I've well, never don't been say short it on TV. Memes. Oh, my God. Uh, have you done any? Uh, are, so you're, those ba- you're one of those bad short sellers that, that are trying to, to F over to the, the poor retail people that, that like to buy yeah. companies that may or may not ever make any money and, and then get mad when, when they don't go up. Well, it's kind of funny because I've, I've never been short these, these names, but, people think you, you know, every, <laughs> right. what, they think we are, I mean, they're, you know, they're, so they're, they're, there's a lot oh, of villains it, they're looking for, a lot of conspiracies. It gets so, it gets so tinfoil hat. It really gets it's insane in those, those spaces. I know. I, did, did you see the one Becky had had? There was uh, Carson. There was something. It was O E E O J, and someone said, and, and they were short some things, and they said, "Oh, you told me." They that. said that was me. E, was e period E period O period J period was doing something. They said, "See, this is it." Because I guess because my name's Joe. Could have been Joe Biden. Conspiracy theories right? about. Could have been Joe Manchin. Could have been. I mean, there's, there's a few Joe Montana. There's a lot of Joes. Yeah, a lot. Uh, <laughs> Logic does not prevail in those circles. Now, if it was N O S R A C, <laughs> that would there aren't many Carsons. That that I would know. It, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, how'd you do that? I really <laughs> I was looking at the prompter. No, it took, <laughs> I went uh, that way. All right, uh, Carson. Thanks. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Coming up, the booming creator economy, making a career online with Mark Rober. When I started on YouTube a decade ago, no one did it for money. I quit my job at Apple when I had 10 million subscribers. His latest subscription business with a waiting list in the thousands. And a hint, maybe, about his upcoming Glitter Bomb video to deter package thieves from stealing holiday gifts. I loved 
hearing you have to say fart spray in the intro, by the way. That was lovely. <laughs> oh, nobody made me say that. She said fart spray is her favorite. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm producer Zach Valisi. And have you ever wondered about the people behind viral YouTube videos? Well, it's a big business. Becky Quick takes it from here. Now to a new Squawk Box series, The Creator Economy. We're focusing on the people who have made a career making content for the internet. According to a new study from Meta, the creator economy is worth $100 billion. An estimated 60 million Americans use these tools to make a living online. Whether it's on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram, creators are earning huge sums of money. Today, we're talking to Mark Rober. He's a YouTuber, an inventor, and an educator who started his career as an engineer, first at NASA and then at Apple. Mark's YouTube channel has amassed 23 million subscribers with more than 3 billion views. His monthly videos range from creating a squirrel Olympic course in his backyard to catching porch thieves with a custom-built bait package that shoots glitter and fart spray. That one's my personal favorite. This guy took a package from my porch, and now he's about to open it in his car, but what he doesn't know is this is a custom-built bait package that is recording him on four different cameras, and it's about to unleash a pound of the world's finest glitter, along with some other surprises. His latest project aims to use his engineering background to teach kids valuable skills. Crunch Labs is a subscription box that includes toys that are based around STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Kids can build these toys themselves by following exclusive videos that both entertain and teach. The product blew up online, selling out within the first week, and the wait list already has 90,000 people on it. Joining us right now from his studio in Los Angeles is Mark Rober. And Mark, this is my favorite interview that I've been looking forward to in probably years. Um, I'm a huge fan. I'm a subscriber. But I have to say, I wasn't the one that noticed it. It was my 11-year-old son, Kyle, who turned me on to this. And by the way, I think he was only nine when he did. What's the secret here? What's the, the magic with getting people to sign in, especially younger kids? How do you do it? Um, yeah, well, thank you. It's good to be here. First of all, I think, I don't know, like I try and hide the vegetables with my, with, you know, getting the science and the engineering, uh, sort of message out there. So the thumbnail will be a 15 ton jello pool and it's, it's, it looks really interesting. And it's like, how, what in the world is this? So you click on it and before you know it, you know, you're learning about chemistry and the scientific method and how you would even go about doing this. And then of course, at the end, I, you know, trying to be the world's greatest uncle, I got my nieces and nephews, and we have a big fight, you know, in the, in the jello pool. So there's the, the payoff. Um, but I love taking science engineering, just make it interesting uh, enough. So so kids want to want to click on it, and it just becomes aspirational. And they realize like, hey, I, I could be that too. And I could be, you know, doing doing cool things with my life when, when eventually when I when I grow up. Before anybody else thinks that they can do this themselves in their backyards, I mean, they may not understand. If they haven't seen your videos, these are not things that you just hook up in your backyard without a huge amount of time and effort. 
and, and money in some of these cases. Like, what's the most expensive project that you've put together? Right now we're looking at the squirrels in your backyard, and okay, that is in your backyard, and maybe that wasn't the most expensive. This is the prestigious walnut cup. And if you want it for yourself, you'll need to first win a majority of the competition events I've set up in my backyard, and second, be a squirrel. Yeah, but even the squirrels, like I got up at 6 a.m. every day and I'm filming for four hours, you know, or I have someone helping with that. So, I mean, at this point, it's rare that it'd be less than six figures on a video. Uh, the most expensive one was maybe like 400,000. We just did a, a $400,000 recent egg drop from space. So I took an egg all the way up to space. And, you know, I worked at NASA for nine years. So it's like, what if instead of like the high school physics egg drop where they do it from a building, we do it from space. We use the same way NASA lands rovers on Mars to land this egg on Earth and and just treat that as a, as a learning opportunity and, and showing the failures. We failed like, you know, five or six times and normalizing to kids and adults, you know, because I truly try to make content that uh, uh, applies to both kids and adults, kind of like the Pixar movie method, but just normalizing for everything that failure is okay. That's, that's how we put rovers on Mars. You fail a bunch. It's all about prototyping. You're just learning one more way not to do a thing. And then, you know, you move on, it stings, but you move on and then you learn and then you get better and you improve. For anybody who thinks that the, the creator economy isn't a real thing, I mean, you're not independently wealthy before you started doing this. If you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to put together for these videos that you're doing every month, that's because you have a lot of followers and subscribers. When did you first realize that this was a real thing? I'm guessing you didn't quit your day job until you really had this up and running. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting because it's like, you know, when I started on YouTube a decade ago, uh, no one did it for money. Like you didn't, no one knew you could even make money. It was just the passion of like getting the ideas out there. And just over time, you know, sponsors would start to come in and they'd pay you a certain amount. And you're like, I can't believe they pay me that much. Right. Uh, I eventually quit. So I worked at NASA for nine years, Apple for four years. And I quit my job at Apple when I had 10 million subscribers, which is rare. Most people quit a lot earlier, but I liked my job, right? Uh, and I'm an engineer and I'm conservative. <laughs> but I would say, but by the time I quit my job at Apple, I was making a, 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 quite a bit more on YouTube for a couple of years. Uh, so yeah, it's one of those things. I haven't lost money on a video really ever. Um, sometimes you, you just about break even. But um, that's the goal is it's and then, it, you know, you just then take it and you put it into future things. You kind of just reinvest in, in what we're doing here. And then eventually you can reach more and more people with the same message. Let, let's talk about your latest uh, rollout, Crunch Labs, w which you're in the secret location. I'm, I'm guessing this is the Crunch Labs, which is hidden in the regular looking building outside. Am I right? That's right. Yeah, this is Crunch Labs and it's disguised if you walk in from off the street it just looks like an old 70s office until you turn the eagle on the bookshelf and it like slides open into this high-tech warehouse and this um, is your own bat cave yeah this is the bat cave so this is where we come up with the things like the glitter bomb which is like right to my left we're in full glitter bomb swing i loved hearing you have to say fart spray in the intro by the way that was lovely <laughs> oh, nobody so made me is, say that <laughs> he said fart spray is her favorite which was weird yeah. i don't uh that was very strange to you hear. have to watch the video to get this like, mark describe this video and, and the reason you did this is because you had a package stolen off of your porch and it ticked you off yeah that's right and that's the beauty of being an engineer is if it's like 
if something doesn't exist in the world, you could just make it exist. So basically, someone stole a package off my porch. It made me sad. Police wouldn't do anything about it. Understandably, they have bigger crimes to solve. So I was like, hey, I helped put a rover on Mars. I could, I could devise something to get back at these guys. So it's basically a bait package. And when you open it, uh, there's four phones inside that record that, that upload the footage to the cloud. And then to make sure we get it back, uh, oh, and then, it, of course, now there's a cup that sprays like a pound of the world's finest glitter uh, in the thief's house. And then to get it back, that's where the fart spray comes in because <laughs> we ha- it works every time where they don't want to leave that in their house. They throw it out to the nearest dumpster, and then we use the GPS to go retrieve it. And hilarity ensues for everyone except the thief. Yes, but it is some of the best video stuff I've ever seen if you have not checked out. Is this your fifth year you're doing this? Yeah, this is the fifth and final year. This year when you lift off the lid, drones fly out and spray the glitter all over your house. So <laughs> each year we, we level up the engineering. Now it's like ridiculous. This is the final year because next year it's like any level up is just going to be illegal or cause more harm than, than we should. So. At oh, some please point, reconsider. You cap it this off. is my annual okay. entertainment. Please reconsider with this. And by the way, we should point out that three out of four Americans have had a package stolen, and I think in the last 12 months, it's cost something like 20 billion dollars, maybe 19 and a half billion dollars, in terms of lost packages because of this theft issue. So you are a one-man band. Well, you and your crew <laughs> are a one-man team, Same. kind of putting and pushing back on the bad guys and the criminals. So thank you. Uh, we appreciate yeah. it. All right, let's get back to Crunch Labs and the new subscription model that you have coming out. Um, my son was able to try out one of these boxes over the weekend. It was a really cool one, the, the disc spinner that spit things out. Yeah, um, he right got really here, good at it. He did really oh, well yeah. by himself, put it all together in probably half an hour's time. But what did you do? How did you come up with this? How does it work? And why is there a 90,000-person waiting list? Yeah. So ultimately, like parents would come up to me and, you know, a common thing that they say is like, my kid loves your videos. They want to be an engineer or, or go into science or, or they, they want to be a vet, but they, they just really like your videos. What's like the first step into getting them to do more what you do? And I, I just never had a really good answer for that. So the idea was, you know, we could create a box that comes to your house every month. And, you know, the, the goal of this box would be to get you to think like an engineer. And that means you think critically. You can break a problem down into steps. Um, like I said earlier, you're okay with failure. Like you're resilient because you know it's part of the process. We normalize that. Um, it makes you a critical thinker. So when you open the box, there's, you know, immediately there's a video you can watch that helps you put it together. Uh, or, you know, there's also paper instructions. But the cool part about the video is that, you know, I teach you the juicy physics that come along with something like a, a, a flywheel. So in this one, we learned about flywheels. Um, and then we also talk about the physics of what makes Frisbees fly. Um, there's so much cool stuff that it's like, if you're just passively watching a video on my channel, I can only get you so far. But by, by getting this box and getting your hands dirty, getting in the trenches with me, it just takes the learning to a whole new level. And so the goal is, you know, after a year, after... 12 of these boxes and they're really cool this one's like a wrist mounted paper airplane launcher this is like you know it's not just stem it's actually steam so art as well this is a um this one we learned about kinematics and it creates this really cool art um with these retro pens so you know I, we, we designed some really cool boxes that you know it's really resonated with folks and so like you said we sold out in five days. 
there was like a 90,000 person wait list. Um, you know, it's all self-funded. Uh, and, you know, we're talking tens of millions of dollars in, in revenue in, in a pretty short t- amount of time. But I, I guess that's where Wall Street might potentially come in. If there's a waiting list, it's because you're funding it yourself. It's self-funded. Would you take a partner? Would you be interested in expanding, being able to get out to more people more quickly? Yeah, yeah, we're, um, yeah, like you said, it is all self-funded. If for the we're we're humble enough to know that you know the, if there's a right partner out there that can like help us in a way that's meaningful, we're always open to hear things out, uh, hear people out. That's that's absolutely true. Um, but right now, you know, it's we're profitable at this point, um, and we're just heads down focusing on making cool toys and and really just getting this message out to the world and just like helping kids get to this point where they can imagine themselves because we're like an all brains on deck situation. There's some big problems that need to be solved in the world. And if we can do our part to just get kids thinking like, yeah, I could be part of the solution. And and this is how, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. We're pretty excited about it around here. Becky and her son, Kyle, are both big fans of Mark Rober and his videos. In preparation for this story, Kyle and Becky got to sit down with Mark on Zoom to ask him more questions about how he makes his videos, where he got started, and why he left his fun job at NASA building the Mars rover. Hey, Mark, how are you? Good, how's it going? This is my son, Kyle. What's up, Kyle? How's it going? Good. (laughs) You like job shadowing your mom today? Yeah. No, (laughs) He only came for you. <laughs> That's cool. Nice, buddy. And I, I wasn't letting this one slip by the dinner table. So. No, no. Nice. You are the hugest thing in our house. We actually set it up so we can watch YouTube at the dinner table on the big screen TV so we can watch your stuff. <laughs> but the glitter bombs are my favorite. And we like bellyache laugh over this. Yeah. But there's a real reason behind it. You're doing it because you're trying to keep people like to teach them not to steal, you know, like maybe have a little bit in the back of their mind about this stealing stuff. Did you actually get a package stolen? And that's why you did it? Yeah, yeah, that was truly the origin story. Um, it, in hindsight, it was like, <clears throat> it's like a $4 thing from Amazon. It wasn't that much. But it's like, it's the principle of having someone like violate your domain. You know, and the police didn't do anything about it. And I can't blame them for not, right? They have more important crimes to solve. But I have video footage of it, but they're like, what do you want us to do, man? So I was like, well, all right, time to go Batman on this and just take justice into my own hands. Uh, so that was truly the origin story, you know, using my engineering powers for good. But it's also like <clears throat> you need... If you want something to go viral, you have to like create a visceral response in someone. Like they have to feel something. And that feeling of feeling vindicated, feeling amazed, you know, it makes you laugh. That is what gets the story shared. But also it's getting harder and harder for them to get stolen because people, we hear them being like, nah, dude, I think that's one of those fake glitter bomb packages, which is a fantastic thing because if I'm recording on that on some subset of the boxes, that means a ton of porch pirates are having that same conversation all across the country <laughs> on normal packages, right? Right. right. So it's like our job here is done. Kyle, did you have any more questions for Mr. Rober? One of them was, why do you quit NASA? I thought it would be. That's a great question. I, um, I know. There's like a, um, there was a study that went out 
that people used to be, you know, kids would always want to be astronauts or work for that. That was the number one job that kids wanted to do. And now the number one thing that kids want to do is be a YouTuber. And I saw that and I was like, how sad is that? What a commentary on our society that I was like, oh, wait, I quit my dream job and asked to be a YouTuber. So I can't really, uh, I can't really cast stones at that. So yeah, it's, um, you know, it, being a YouTuber provides me different opportunities. I wouldn't have met you. And you wouldn't have seen the squirrels if I would have if I would have stayed at NASA. So in life, you kind of, you know, I was there for nine years. And at sometimes in life, it's called opportunity cost, where if you do one thing, you're sacrificing something else. Um, so it's kind of like the juiciness of what I could do on YouTube and, you know, tell these stories and encourage, you know, in, and hopefully inspire kids like yourself to be like, oh, maybe I could be an engineer, too. That seems cool to me. That was a bigger draw to me than even building rovers on other planets. And now I still get to build stuff. I still get to draw on that experience, but it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Is that what you were doing at NASA, building rovers? Yeah, so I was at Jet Propulsion Laboratory in, in down in JPL, and uh, I worked uh, seven years on the Curiosity rover, so. Wow. I designed some hardware. Yeah, that's all. I talk about it in this upcoming video, so you'll see my hardware, we talk about it, yeah. That's what this landing this egg was kind of like paying an homage to what I did at NASA and how NASA lands rovers on other planets. Only this time we're just egg, landing eggs on our own planet. So not, not quite as crazy, but there's a lot of similarities. Well, I have to say you've had three incredibly cool careers. We, we are in total amazement. Mark, I want to thank you guys very, very much. Great to meet you too. Thank you guys for everything. And I really appreciate it. Take care. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Becky's son, Kyle, for his production help on today's story. And we're always looking for ideas. Tell us who your favorite creators are. You can find us on Twitter at SquawkCNBC and send us a tweet there anytime. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.